Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm excited and humbled to be joined by Morgan J. Ingram today. Morgan is the Director of Execution and Evolution at J. Barrow's Sales Training, focusing on delivering to sales development teams to enhance their skill sets and performance. In his previous role, Morgan was a Sales Development Manager at Terminus, where he managed a team of 13 SDRs to help B2B marketers do account-based marketing at scale. Morgan joined Terminus in 2016, and help scale the company to become the fastest growing startup in Atlanta. In addition to this, Morgan started his very own YouTube series, The SDR Chronicles, with more than 100 videos providing SDRs with motivation, advice, and tactics. At only 27 years old, Morgan's been named one of the top 50 sales leaders to follow by LinkedIn, a top 25 development thought leader by Inside Sales, and LinkedIn's top sales voices of 2018 and 2019. Morgan's work's been featured in Forbes, Sales Hacker, the HubSpot blog, and the Harvard Business Review. I first met Morgan when we did the UK versus USA sales showdown. If you haven't tuned into that, go over to Vanilla Soft's website, check out their blog, check out the podcast. It's great fun. Um, got to check out a whole bunch of great names in the sales professional. Well, Morgan, a pleasure to have you on, man. How's it going? And it's going good. I know I'm fired up. The intro is good. And yeah, the USA versus UK, that was a ton of fun. So I'm hoping we can do that in the future because I had a blast with that one. Definitely, man. We've got to have a round two, maybe later in the year or next year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So there's a ton we want to get through of yourself, Morgan. Most importantly, we would love to know your top business growth tips, some of the digital marketing channels that you've had great success with to build up sales pipeline, to get deals done, um, and to build your personal brand, and basically to, to become where you are today. But before we get there, we'd love to know a bit more about yourself, a bit more about your background. So if you could share with us kind of where you grew up, some of the key businesses that you've worked at over the years, and perhaps some of the lessons that you learn at each one, be it in sales, be it a lesson in marketing, or just business in general. Um, we'd love to hear it, my friend. Yeah, so born and raised from Atlanta, Georgia, South Side in the United States, and I fell into sales. You know, it wasn't something that most people come out of college and uni, they're like, yo, I really want to be in sales. Like people aren't really that jazzed up and fired up to go do that. So I originally wanted to be a sports agent. So if you guys have seen the movie, Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Right? Oh, great film. Great film. <laughs> yeah, love yeah, it. You know, yeah, you gotta love it. So that's when I was like, yep. All right, cool. I want to go and be a sports agent. That was my thing. And so graduated in finance sports management. And when I got to my senior year, I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can move forward with this because they told me how to go to law school. And so I don't know if you guys have ever looked at law school and how much it costs. It's a lot of money. <laughs> so, I can imagine. I've never looked at it. I bet, bet it costs a ton. It's a lot of money. So I took a step back and I was like, all right, yep, that's not for me. And so I had to figure out what I was going to do. And so before, though, I went and figured out what I was going to do during my senior year. So this is the first time where I got into business is I started a company. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I started a company and what I did is I hosted college tournaments based on gaming. So literally oh, it was nice. gaming. It was gaming tournaments on college campuses. And so I had one at U University of Georgia. We did some at Kennesaw. Uh, we started to do some stuff at Georgia Tech. 
And I ran that, just what, founder or whatever for like eight months. And Sam, I had no idea what I was doing, man. <laughs> so, so that sounds fun, man. What kind of games? And tell us a bit more about that. So I did a deep research of the market. So right now, esports is hot right now, especially sure. since sports aren't being played. It's super hot in the market. However, when I did it, it was what, six, seven years ago. So like it was in the market, but it wasn't talked about a lot. So I knew that it was a huge opportunity because most people that play games in colleges, they all, they only go to their gaming organizations, but they never go out. They never go out to go drink. Right. They never go out like during the, like during Friday, Saturday, so they're at home playing games. So how are you going to get these people to interact with your business if they're not even going out during the weekends and they're playing games, right? They're not even coming to your establishments. So how I got into it is I realized that there was a huge, like, talk about business tip, right? I saw there was a huge opportunity because I knew if I could go to a business that gets low foot traffic on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursday and tell them, hey, I can bring gamers here that you don't ever see, right? And have a gaming tournament there, then we could actually get a lot of revenue. So we got a lot of revenue there and it was a profitable business. You know, we weren't like raking it in, but it was profitable, right? You weren't, we weren't in the red because we didn't have funding. I just bootstrapped. And then also we had a lot of great sponsors like, David Buster's was one. So it's like a gaming, like arcade, essentially. We had different breweries in the area sponsor us because of it. So it started to grow really big. And the games that we put out were Halo. We did Mario Kart. That was a huge one. Mario Kart was a huge one. Super Smash Bros. You guys probably may have heard of that one. Great that's games. Like, great that's games. Like, that's I love like all of them. One. Yep. NFL. We did the sports, right? We did NBA tournament. Yep. We also did Drunk Mario Kart, which was super fun. <laughs> so we had dual Drunk Mario Kart. So yeah, we had a lot of fun Dude. with it. And it was like one of, the, one of the most fun things that I've done to just take a leap. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no mentors. I had no advisors. Uh, I just went out there and I just reached out to people. I figured it out. And it was really cool because I got a lot of support in me doing that because a lot of people were like, yo, this is awesome that you're doing this. And so that was like the first thing that I started out. Sounds really fun, man. Those those games take me back a few years too to the Nintendo 64 yeah. playing Mario Kart. Great times with your friends. <laughs> Four player split screen on a really small TV, sitting on your bed. Exactly. Great, great times, dude. So <laughs> how did you get people signed up? Because you've got sponsors, which is awesome for a job whilst you're, whilst you're in college. And how did you get the, was it just students that approached to come on board and things like that? Or so, was so there a strategy? This is, this, this is, yeah, it was. This was, this was crazy and it was super tough. So the gamer community, right, you have to show that you can play games. Otherwise, they don't respect you. So I was trying to invite them to these things, and they wouldn't come because they didn't know who I was. So, so what I did is I went to the gamer organizations, and I challenged the best player. Okay. And they're like, yo, this dude's going to get a wife. Because, like, you know, like, I don't, like, they probably thought I was just, like, some random guy that doesn't play games. You know, I go out on every weekend and, like, you know, they're probably like, who is this kid, right? So I would go to, like, people's houses. I would go to the organization. I'd be like, all right, what game are we playing? And then I would play. Now, did I win every single time? No. But, however, what they realized in the first couple seconds that I could actually play games. And they were like, whoa, mad respect. So I ended up gaining a lot of respect for a lot of people in those gaming organizations because they realized I could play the games. So then they were bought in to be like, okay, like, no, you have this gaming thing going on. Let me help you. So they helped me with reaching out to other gamers locally. They helped me out with the logistics. They helped me out with other things because I went in there and showed them like, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. So I was essentially a gamer building a gamer company. It's just like I would do today. I'm a sales rep who does sales training. So I just found that 
game recognizes game at the end of the day and people are willing to help you more when you're actually living in living in their shoes. And then how I've reached out to the business owners and I, I just showed up. <laughs> so I just showed up on Tuesday and Wednesday during school, right? People are in classes. I would just go to the bars on the campuses. I would go to the breweries and I'd ask for the manager. I was like, hey, and I had, I had a proposal back in the day, like written proposals. And I was like, hey, so like, this is the business plan they're working on right now. This is where you can get ROI from it and let's work together. So yeah, and that's how we, that's how we got customers. That's how we got engagement. Awesome, that's how we man. Built it. I love and that. So, I, five, so it was good. So there's two things I've picked up on there. You said kind of working with the, the fellow gamers because they didn't trust you to begin with. So you, you really nope. got into their world. <laughs> so I guess that's the lesson we could take away there, really actually un- understanding your customer building up the bond, bonding rapport with them and uh, understand how they work and networking with them. And then it sounds like the second part was real proper direct marketing, going straight to the business owners, bringing them a proposal and, and getting deals done. Door to door. I mean, I, I, I would have, if I had to go back and do, I would do the same thing because it was like, they were right there. Now it's a little bit different now, right? Like if I'm, I'm in a city, so I probably wouldn't do as much. Obviously face to face is probably not a thing as much. Right. So I probably do some more videos and digital on that, on the aspect, but there in college when you're in walking distance to everything why not just show up there's no there was no one there like i was having just like one-to-one business conversations with like a business owners because no one was there so super simple no that's it i mean i guess nowadays you could do facebook ads and stuff like that for local businesses but going back all those years everything was different back then and like you said you might not have had much money so it it was probably the fastest way to get it done yeah I was in college. No money, man. <laughs> so, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, man. So that, so that, that was, that was, that's what I first started off with before I even got into sales and everything else like that. So what was next? What was next for you, Morgan, after that little biz? Yeah. So after that, it was like eight months in. It was like in June and July. Like I spent all my graduation money on trying to make this company work. So all of my relatives hated me for that because they were like, whoa, I used to, I just was, I was like hell bit. Like I was like, this is going to work. But then, you know, the more I got into it, I realized an event based business based on sponsors. And I just, I just felt like I wasn't going to be able to make the money that I needed to, to sustain it. And also a lot of people that I was working with, they were college students. So their drive wasn't the same as me. Right. Got so it. what ended up hap- what ended up happening is that like a lot of people were like, I don't want to do this. People were asking me all different type of questions, like what's like equity and stuff like that. It's like, yo, we haven't even gotten there yet. So like there was just a lot of things that were happening uh behind the scenes. And my my co-founder and I, you know, I still to this day, I feel like I didn't do the best job on this, to be honest. And this is just another lesson is that like let people do what they're what they need to do. I, as a founder and leader at that point, you know being how young, how young I was, you know, again, six, seven years ago. So I was like 20. Like I wanted every, I wanted to do everything myself. Like I was like, Nope, that's not good enough. I'm going to do it. So I ended up like stressing myself out more because I wanted to do everything instead of leaving it in the hands of people that are really good at it. And I messed that up on my end. And that was a mistake. That was a lesson learned that now, you know, moving forward in whatever I do, like I know, Hey, look, this is what you're good at. This is what you're great at. This is why I brought you on the team. I'm going to let you do that. And that was a mistake on my end. And, but then, and what, after all that ended, right. And I decided to get rid of it. I then went into public speaking. So okay. uh, yeah, I tell us more about speaking. that. Yeah. So I got on a long story short, got on a plane ride and I was talking to somebody random and they felt like they told me like, Hey, I feel like you'd be a really great speaker. I just feel like I'm called like, you know, whatever you believe in God, divine invention, I believe in God. So like, Hey, like I'm, I'm being called to tell you this. And so that conversation led me to believe that, hey, I should go be a public speaker. And like, that was like my calling, like, and so, go figure out how to do it. 
Yeah. Someone just came up to you and said you should be a public speaker. Is that right? Or am I missing the no, end? No, you're not. So like literally I was on the plane sitting there reading. They were like, hey, I don't know who you are, but I feel like I need to tell you this. You should be a public speaker. And let's talk about how you can get there. Like literally on the plane. Wow. I don't know okay. at all. That's nuts. amazing. I know. Nuts. And so I took his advice. And so we like wrote down, I still have the notebook. We wrote down like the game plan of what to do. So I was going to Dallas to see my uncle after the company. Like I just got rid of it. And then I went to back to my home, like back to where my parents live, so back in Atlanta. So I was living there at the time. And then I started reaching out to every single middle school and high school on this new speaking program that I did. Now, every single one of those programs rejected me. And this was for free, Sam. This wasn't like, I'm charging, this is free. And they all rejected me. And I was like, oh yeah, this sucks. So yeah. what I did next is that I started getting on Periscope. Okay, so, then I'll that was Twitter, right? So it was, tw- yeah, so it was back in the so, day, back in the day. So it was like, it's still, it's still kind of there, but it's not as active, but what it was, it was like live streaming, like Got anywhere it. in the world. Right. So you could throw in your Periscope, people could hop in, add comments and then have likes. So I hopped on that live streaming super early, like right when it was like super hot. So like Meerkat, Periscope, I hopped on it early, 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 early on. And I did three Periscopes a day because I was like, all right, like, let me get myself out there and like see if someone just comes along and wants to hire me. So how I got my first opportunity was through social media. So through Periscope. Wow. Okay. I can remember when that came out and this, yeah, this was a few years ago. And yeah. I just remember speaking to my colleagues at the time in the business I was in and just thinking, what the heck is this? Like, this isn't going to take <laughs> off. This was way before any, obviously every social platform now has got some form of live video content. And I was just like, what yeah. the heck is this thing? <laughs> Dude, I, t- I took it and I was like, all right, live streaming. Like, all right, let's do it. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure this speaking thing out. So I started getting opportunities, man. I had audience that grew in London. I had audience that grew just in different countries. It was crazy to me. Uh, and I was just coming on there, just talking about how I was able to graduate from college. You know, most African-Americans don't do that. So I was just talking about, Hey, this was my experience with it. And then also I talked about like, here are things that you can do to see success, do certain things. You know, my relative success was just graduating and starting a company and seeing some opportunities there. Not that it was a massive company, but hey, these are some things that I did. And then also how I've kept the positive mindset, which mindset is obviously the main thing that a lot of people need to have nowadays. Because if you don't have a positive mindset, you can't execute positively. So from there, right, I ended up finding someone found me. They invited me to an event here in Atlanta. And and they were like, hey, do you want to come? Like, one of the speakers dropped out. I was like, absolutely. So I was part of the four speakers, and I was one of, I guess, like, the side keynotes or whatever you want to call them. So my talk was, like, 30 minutes. This is my first talk in front of an audience that's not, like, someone from, like, an organization, right? Because I had done previous talks with, like, organizations. Because when I started that company, if you go back, I got in the pa- I got in the newspaper in the school. So people invited me to go speak at the organizations because I was getting buzzed for it. And so from that perspective, I had already had some speaking experience, but not like uh, Okay. So you'd, you'd had a bit of experience. You weren't- A little you- bit. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you weren't too nervous because I'd imagine if you've got your first ever speaking gig, it's probably quite a scary thought, but like <laughs> yeah. a scary prospect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's the number one fear in the world, public speaking. So true, man. I've number never one. done it. Not to a massive stage. Number one. So I've done it before with organizations before, right? I went through a public speaking class because that was a recommendation that was that's required for, for me to graduate. So I was 
comfortable, but I was still nervous, man. Like I didn't know any of these people. My mom and dad aren't there, right? It's just me, like in front of like 30 people, right? So I'm like, oh man, I don't know. So, I mean, I do the same. I like, I practice, like I was in the mirror, like I practiced with my parents. Like I was studying speeches on YouTube. Like I was so serious, man. Like I would watch YouTube commencement speeches, graduation speeches and like study the way that they talk, the inflections, like I was locked in. I'm like, I had to be great at this. And so I went up there and delivered and that's went really well. That's where it all started. Amazing. And, and from that speech, you know, you, it's still, it's still on Facebook. I actually probably should drop it on LinkedIn so people can see like my first speech, the video quality is so bad. Like my style is so bad. Like, it's so funny. Like I need to actually put it on LinkedIn so you guys can see it. So he was like, okay, like Morgan's come a long way. <laughs> Cause it was like, it was good. But obviously it's, like, I look at it now. It's like, wow, I could have done way better. But the whole thing is that like, it spoke to people and three people came up to me after. And those, those are three opportunities. So one thing that I had been watching content on, they were like, Hey, look, if you do a speech and three people don't come to you after, or at least say, Hey, congrats on that. Your speech really wasn't that good. So at least like three to normally my, my barometer is like three to five people like that come up to you and say, Hey, that was good. And then like three people were like, yeah, I want you to do some other things. So after that speech, three people came up and they were like, Hey, look, like we want you to go here, here and here. And so one of those ended up being a paid engagement. So this is my first paid engagement, right? And it's not, it's, not, okay. it's not like a ton of money. It's not a ton of money, but it's a paid engagement. I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like I've been making a ton of videos and finally it's here. And so I went out and did that paid engagement. And, it, and I was, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. It was a comedy and entertainment spot. So basically okay. 99% of people are comedians. I'm the only Pub, or in this case, I was a motivational speaker. I've changed. Like, I don't really believe in that as much anymore. Like, I've changed it more into, like, a public, like, transformational, like, tactical speaker. That's where I see myself now. I have motivation behind what I'm saying. But, like, I was just pure motivation back then, like, mindset stuff. Right? And so, yeah, man, I came in there and just, like, <laughs> lit people up. And I also have that speech somewhere, too. And there was, like, 50 people in that audience. And then from there, four people came up to me after and they were like all right like how can we work together and then man that that was a snowball effect so, so then i got invited to yeah i invited to middle schools high schools i spoke at rotary clubs rotary clubs if you're looking to be a public speaker or if you're looking to get your word out there and practice this rotary clubs are fantastic because they don't pay you however it's in front of a lot of people that have a lot of different experience in the community and so i had people that were you know 40 50 60 year olds in there that would then send me to other places so I could get paid again. So if you're looking to start, like that's a tip right there, right? So if you're looking to get better at public speaking, go to the Rotary Clubs. Like I can't tell you how many Rotary Clubs I emailed to get opportunities. They were free. However, it got me to other places to get speaking engagements as well. So I did that that's for about- That's awesome, dude. So let's do, a, let's do a quick recap on what we've covered so far. <laughs> so a lot here. <laughs> that was a heck of a lot. So you wrapped up your, your gaming business. Um, yep. a few lessons, a few extra lessons. It sounded like was knowing when to distribute work and not to try and take it all on all yourself. It sounds like, yeah. um, yeah. and knowing when to call things a day. So if things aren't working out. There's, there's, there's sometimes a time where you've got to move on. Um, and then we had the, the periscope side of things where you picked up your first speaking gig, which was awesome. So it sounds like not being afraid to jump into things first, not being yeah. afraid to share with people your own story. Um, cause I know a heck of a lot of people, if we compare it to say LinkedIn, people are scared, um, it says, what's, what's the stat, um, Morgan? There's a heck of a low stat. The amount of people that actually engage on the platform 
Um, like close contact? Less, yeah, it's less than 1%, right? Yeah, I think it's one to 3% people post content. I think it's less than 1% post consistently. Yeah, 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 super, super low. So not being afraid to share your story. And then, um, yeah, public speaking, which sounds like that, that was a great point. I'd never knew that. So if you do a public speaking gig, you're only successful if three or more people come up to you and either congratulate you or, or offer you a, a new gig after. That's how I see it, right? Yeah, if makes sense. Like, if people are like, okay, that was great, then they should be willing to get you to other people. Like if you do a speech and no one says anything to you, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's not good stuff. <laughs> the event organizer like, yeah, good well, job. It's like, uh, okay. If everyone leaves the room, then you know something's gone wrong. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I guess there's a few lessons you picked up in, in public speaking as well. Did it improve your confidence? Did it help you in sales skills that have transferred through to modern day? Confidence for sure. You know, if I can speak in front of people who have no idea who I am and I can hold a room for, I mean, I do speeches now that are full day speeches, right? So hour, two, three hours, like that's a huge skill. Like if I can hold your attention for that long, then, you know, I can able to do that on a call or things of that nature. Also the the key thing about, public speaking, you know, what I've learned is that how to really understand the power of pauses, which I do naturally a lot now, and also the inflection of tone of how you need to deliver someone in a conversation. It makes you a better communicator too. And a really great storyteller as well, because you have to be able to tell stories to keep people engaged throughout the conversations you're having. So those are things that I found that were really great for the public speaking end. Awesome. So anyone looking at that, it sounds like you should investigate the rotisserie club. Is that right? Rotary, Rotary. So rotary think, Club, I, sorry. I rotisserie, know. I think chicken's like on a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that yeah, came into my mind. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not a <laughs> chef, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, Sam, I don't chef, know. I don't know if it's the same, though, in Europe. So you guys might have to go check that out. But if you check yeah. the world, Europe, it oh, might fair be enough, man. Cool. Okay. So moving onwards, what, what was happening next? You carried on the speaking, did you? Or you got into a sales role? Or guide us through the journey that was next for you? Yeah. So what ended up happening is that I went to the National Speakers Association in Atlanta. They had a meeting like every month and I I didn't even know it was a thing. So I I went in there and they're all like, this is like, if you've been to Atlanta before, if you've seen it, there's like a huge building in Buckhead. And it's like, I went up to the meeting and it was like the top floor in Buckhead. Right. And I entered the room and everyone's at this like round table. Like everyone's just at round table and they all know each other they have no idea who i am they're like who is this kid like because and these are people who are like distinguished speakers these are people who have been speaking for 20 maybe 30 years and i like just now got into it right so i come i'm like i'm like nervous man because i'm like oh man like yo, know, i am i am so young i have like no experience in this like i've only been doing this for like a couple months like all right i wanted to know like i was like i gotta get in the game so i have to show face because most people will not show face and that's also another tip is like, will it be willing to show face when you're like, yo, I'm not the smartest person in this room. I don't, I have the least amount of experience. Those are where I learned. Those are where I learned the most. That's where everyone learns the most, right? So boom, I went in there Love that. Okay. and sat down and I was talking to this guy next to me. His name is Jeff. And I was just telling him like, Hey, this is my journey. This is what's going on. He said, Hey, look, you know, public speaking is something to do it as a career is very hard to get into, to have the consistent income that you're looking for. So he said, I don't, I'm not saying that you don't need to be a public speaker. However, what I'm saying though, is you need to find a vehicle to be a public speaker and do something that has tangible skills. And I was like, okay, like, what is that? Like, I don't know. And he, so this is when SAS comes into play. So I had no idea that SAS even existed until this conversation. Okay. 
So, so like, I had no idea what an SDR, AE, like, I had no intention of ever getting into I guess, why would you if you'd not come across it before? Didn't know. So he was like, hey, look, there's a company that is now getting funding. They're local to Atlanta. I know the VP of sales and you should go and interview over there. Right. And so I was like, all right. And so what ended, what ended up happening is I took, so I took that info, right. And I started looking at other SaaS companies because this was like very intriguing to me that like companies get funding and you can just go there and you get paid. So I started doing like other interviews before I had made that call. So he got me introduced to it, but I looked at it and I was like, ah, okay, like I'm going to go look at other companies that were like more exciting to me. Kept your so options got, open. It sounds like. Yep. And then I got rejected by all those other companies. Ouch. Okay. For, I, and I've been interviewed like AE, SDR, like I got rejected from all of them. They're like, ah, no. Right. Cause I had no sales experience, no SaaS experience. So I remember what Jeff told me and he was like that VP of sales. So what I did is like, all right, let me just treat this as sales. Right. So I literally just Googled like, all right, like what's in a sales development rep? What's prospecting again? I didn't, I didn't know what that was. So it's just crazy coming for me. Like I had no idea what that even was. So I did some research and I was like, all right, like why don't I just treat this sales interview as a sales process? So what I did is I found the VP of sales number. I cold called her. She picks up. <laughs> that call was terrible. But the fact that I cold called, she was like, all right, like you come in for an interview, like send your resume to whoever, right? Send it to the recruiter. We had a conversation, really good conversation. Got me in the in-person in interview. That went really well. Just did a really good discovery, did a ton of research on the company. And then in that, ended up going to the second interview. And the second interview, I got hired on the spot. Nice, man. They were like, hey, like, do you want to work here? And I was like, sure. So boom, then that's, that's the company I went to. And the reason that I ended up going to that company, accepting on the spot, is because I realized they were in a very unique space. So they were in the account-based marketing space. So four years ago, that was a brand new term. That was a huge buzzword. And I saw it similar. I told them, I was like, I see this as similar to inbound and HubSpot, how they did their thing. I see ABM as the same. So like, I want to work here. And I always, and I really like marketing a lot. I see myself as a marketer as well from the way that I think about brand and things of that nature. So I was like, let me learn about marketing and also learn about sales. And then I also can do some public speaking too, you know, based on, you know, what I know. So that's how I then got into the next role, which was my sales development role. So an SDR. And then that's, that's when I got into sales. Sounds like a great combination, sales, marketing, and a bit of speaking. Do you remember yeah. what you said on that first cold call? <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to like rephrase it. So it basically was like, her name was Tony. She was like, hi, Tony. This is, this is Morgan from the University of Georgia. I just graduated and I was looking at your website and you know, I feel like I could be a good fit. You know, I see that responsibility is cold calling. I'm willing to learn. I see that email writing, you know, I'm willing to learn there. I'm, I'm really good at social and I feel like I can bring that component to the team. I've been doing a lot of social selling as of late and branding. So I feel like I can bring that component. So, you know, I just want to see if you're willing to give a shot and help, help and for me to come in an interview, like, just want to see what I'm about. And I'm, as I'm stuttering, like, that's how I was too. So I was nervous, but she was like, yeah, like, yeah, let's do it. Great stuff, man. Okay. And was this at Terminus or was it somewhere Terminus. else? Terminus. Terminus. So yeah, that's nice. where I started off, Terminus. Awesome, man. So tell us a bit more about kind of how you grew there because you were there for a few years, right? And um, you yeah, grew- Yeah, I was there for t- two grew years. Grew pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah so it, the company grew in two years when I left by 146%. Wow. Or no, eight, 800, 800, 800, 846%. 846, cool. That is some growth. Insane. So to this day, I don't think I'll ever 
be with a company that has ever grown that fast. Like it was a once in a lifetime thing. And I know that. And I treated it as that. And, and thinking back on it, it was an incredible experience. And it's funny, like I'm in a group text with like all the SDRs still. <laughs> like, and we all have like different jobs now, but it's just funny because like we're all still having conversations. We're all still cool. And yeah, man, I was really bad at being an SDR the first three months. Like I sucked. Okay. So why, why was that? Just new to it? Didn't know the skills or? I wasn't committed. I think I was focused on too many things. Like I wanted to be marketing. I still was putting out content that was motivational. I was still trying to do public speaking on the side too. I think I was just doing too much. And also I thought it was just going to be easy because all I had to do was schedule meetings and I realized how hard it was. Okay. So, so when that happened, I was just like, all right, like I have to either be committed to this or just say, Hey, this isn't for me. So what did I, what did I end up doing is that I ended up talking to my VP of sales at the end of the month. Right. And I, at the month three, and I was like, Hey, look, like, I don't know if this is for me. I'm not really feeling it. And she asked me a question that was super important. She said, Hey Morgan, like, are you giving this role a hundred percent? And I was like, no, I'm not. And so that conversation was enlightening for me to realize that I needed to step up myself. And at the end of the month, I was supposed to be on PIP too. But my boss was like, look, if you hit quota the next month, like we won't talk about this. And so what I'm doing is I went home and I was like, all right, like, let me just get better. So I just listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of blogs, took a lot of advice from a lot of people and just revamped my process and got it to be very systematic. And then I started seeing results. Interesting. Okay. And then I just went from there. Cool, man. So it was, it was quite a lot about focus by the sounds of it, because you're doing quite a few different things all at once, trying to yep. juggle those. And then she asked you that great question. Are you hundred percent all in You're honest, honestly answered, which a lot of people wouldn't, um, which is important. And then it sounds like you went all in. So you consume podcasts and, and all sorts So any particular pieces of content, be it podcasts, be it books that were a real influence and that have helped you out in your career so far. At the, at the time, so far, there's a lot. At the time, that was Sales Hacker. Sales Hacker hadn't acquired by Outreach yet. They were like their own single thing. And they were doing a ton of content. And they were doing a really great job. So I saw them as like the North Star for how I really got great at what I was doing. And also, I just started talking to more of my reps. I think that's what people don't do. They don't, like, that's a tip right there, right? Like, if Definitely. you're struggling, talk, talk to the top reps and ask them what they're doing. I don't know why I didn't do that in the beginning. I think I was just, it's an ego thing. I think I was just like, I'm going to figure it out like I always do. But sometimes you just got to ask, like, hey, like, what are you doing to be successful? Like, you know who's winning, you know who's not. Yo, what are you doing? And then that helped me out a lot to be like, oh, okay, like, this is what I need to do. That was really cool for me to do. And then on top of that as well, as I look at it, I think another key factor was that I read the sales development playbook by Trish Bertuzzi. That was really helpful for me as well. And I looked at a lot of just different YouTube videos and I was just willing to try out like a lot of new things. There wasn't a lot, there actually, there was nobody because this goes to the next thing that I did. There was nobody posting content that was a rep at all. So you didn't get anything from the trenches. You only got them from people that were consultants. And again, I am one now. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's fine. You know, I'm, but I still do the job, but I obviously have consulting things that I do. And so the thing is that like, I saw that there's wasn't a lot of people who are in the trenches creating content. 
So how I learned, to be honest with you, is the SDR Chronicles, because I started doing interviews with people that had way more experience with me. And that's how I learned, because then they would say, hey, you should try this out. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I would do it. And then it would work. And then I could talk about it. Yeah, tell us a bit more. Yeah, tell us a bit more about why you started that and how how it went, because you're 100 or so videos in. It's, I've seen you've got a, a decent amount of subscribers on YouTube and I think that helped to, to grow your personal brand, right? Yeah, so, you know, I post there from time to time. It's not as active as it used to be because it was the most relevant because I was in that role and then I was documenting in that role, which most people were not, nobody, well, really nobody was doing that at the time because it was a huge risk. Because <laughs> like, if it didn't go well, you're like, you're the video guy that sucked. So. I was willing to take that risk because I was like, best case scenario, it turns out to be something awesome, which it has so far. And so I started for two reasons. One is a blog post by Ralph Barcy. So Ralph Barcy, he's now the VP of sales at Trey. Uh, He used to be the senior director of sales development at ServiceNow, which is a huge organization. So he posted an article on Sales Hacker, which again, I was reading a lot. And it said, hey, why hasn't an SDR created an, an S, uh, a YouTube channel? And it said it on there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So then I tweeted him. I was like, hey, like, has anyone done this yet? Because the article was written six months before. So I just want to see if anyone had done it. He's like, nope, no one still has done it. And I was like, and I text and I tuned him back. I was like, all right, I'm going to be the one. And he was like, all right, we'll see. So lo and behold, wow. later, light bulb I created, moment. I created it. And then also it was that same day. So that's when I knew it was important. Gary V came and he was like, hey, if you're a sales rep, you should be building your brand for, for the long term, not short term to like close business in the next two months, but the long term so that you always have a job and that people know who you are. And so then that's when, boom, I created the Air Chronicles that night after I saw that talk to Gary. That's epic, man. That's really epic. And I love the points you made there about long term yeah. building brand keeping keeping pipeline and, and that kind of thing um no that's that's awesome and i also like the point that was made a couple of minutes back about talking to the best reps so being humble enough to just look at your organization look at the guys that are doing well or the girls that are, they're crushing it in terms of beating quota beating their sales yeah. target and just just ask them frankly like how are you what are you doing how are you doing it can you help me with this um the chances are most most people are going to say yes i'm sure there's the odd one that might be an idiot but 99 percent of people <laughs> for the most are going to help you yeah cool dude okay and then you became a, a manager there right was that was that correct that's correct so after the SDR, well during the SDR chronicles i gained a lot of external and internal brand recognition and i got tapped on the shoulder to be the SDR manager so i was the youngest person on the team and also i was tight with everyone on the team so this transition was tough man because when you go out with people like every other weekend and then now you're managing them that, that's weird <laughs> like, yeah i can imagine <laughs> it's really it's really weird so they're just kind of like from okay, buddy now, to manager like, yeah like now you're my manager like what dude, we were just hanging out on the weekend getting like getting some drinks and a pint right like <laughs> what are you doing dude so like what i had to do this is important for everyone to listen again you know if you're from that sales leader perspective right and even you know even if you're in marketing and you get promoted to a marketing leader right and business owners too like this is for everybody like if you are really tight with somebody and then now you have a new position right that you're now leading someone or you're a business owner and you hire a friend like the relationship now has changed so i said hey look when we're at work i am the leader here like i'm the manager so if i'm like hey look you got to do this or you got to get better here or i reprimand you for something or like i don't like 
the work ethic you have, like that's not because I don't like you. It's because this is the entails of the job. Got it. Outside of work, we're still friends. However, in work, it's a different relationship now. And so I had to set that boundary. However, moving to the SR manager role was really exciting for me. At the peak, I had 13 reps. So I would recommend from an inter, like a manager standpoint, like once you get past nine reps, that's when things get overwhelming. So 13 reps is very overwhelming. Seven, I, my sweet spot now was six to eight is a sweet spot for me. Like that is manageable. You could do proactive coaching. 13, I took on that responsibility because I wanted to see how many I could do. 13 was a lot. I know people have more. They have like 20, 30, but 13 is, is, was a lot for me. But I gained a lot in that experience. Awesome, man. So I like the fact that you said you set the foundations earlier, early on. So you said, look, guys, I know we're friends, but when it comes to business, um, these are the rules. So I do expect mm-hmm. you to adhere by these guidelines. Um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. Now, the transition from sales rep to, to manager, have you got any tips that you could share with us that helped you in terms of making sure everyone stayed positive, everyone kept up the activity in terms of sales, everyone was hitting their number? So any insights you could share on that front? Yeah, so three questions you should be asking your rep. One is, how do you like to receive feedback? Is it direct, indirect, whatever that is, right? So here's the thing. When people say direct, then I know how to motivate them. I can be like, hey, look, you're not doing what you need to be doing right now. And that you said you want direct feedback, so now I don't have to like mince words there. Some people may be like, you know what? I don't really like direct feedback. I want it to be a little bit more indirect. And like, that's fine. Now I know how to have the conversation. I don't, I'm not going to talk to you how I want to talk to because it's going to be different. So you have to understand that you're not just because you're a manager. Now you can't just push your agendas of how you would want to be treated on other people. You have to understand what that is. So your reps work for you. You don't, you don't work. All right. No, you work for your reps. Your reps aren't working for you. Right. So that's the key factor right there. And so that's what a lot of people think when they become a manager, they just prop up their feet. It's like, no, 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 that's not it, right? So number one is you got to ask them how they like feedback. Two, ask them what their short-term and long-term goals are. Nice. So if I know what your short-term goals are, I know how to push you on that. Long-term goals, you know, I know what you're doing there. Like if you want to be a business owner, then my way I'm going to coach you is different, right? If you want to be a person who is focused on being the number one SDR, different, right? If you're just trying to be the best cold caller, different, right? So my approach can be different for you. And three, how I kept people motivated is I, I gave them random words of encouragement. So this is key. Like just giving someone a quick shout out. Hey, love what you're doing so far. I did that a lot with my team. You know, I've made videos for my team, all, like videos for my team all the time. You know, if we had like a really, like a really great week and like, I'd be like, yeah, you guys have been good. I'd send like a video like over the weekend, like, hey, I know you're probably working on the weekend right now. I just want to say I appreciate everything that you're doing. So like I was very proactive in giving my team love all the time. And, nice, man. And I don't think a lot of people do that. Take a quick second just to be like, hey, I appreciate everything you're doing right now. I, like, I can say for one, I certainly don't do it enough. And, and now you've mentioned it, I'm going to try and do it more. I think it's just one of those things like we get busy on our day-to-day doing these things and we just don't um, remember yeah. or don't think about saying thank you to people or you're doing a great job. Um, That's it. Just genuinely. Especially when someone's been having like off weeks, you can be like, just send them a quick video, do a quick call. You know, I call my reps sometimes like, Hey, like this is not like you're in trouble or anything. Just five, just five seconds. I just want to say like, I appreciate you and I love what you're doing here. And you know, if there's any way I can help, let me know. 
that goes a really long way, man. And again, most people just don't do it. Decent, man. So three top tips for managing teams. Understand how people want to be treated, how they want their feedback. Understand their short-term short -term and long-term goals and random acts of encouragement, acts of kindness. That's, that's yep. great, dude. Okay, so let's fast forward to, to present day. Um, JB Sales, JB Training. Yeah. So, yeah, give us a quick snapshot because we've got a bit more ground to cover of, of how you've progressed there, some of the things <laughs> yeah. you've learned. So everything from, from that standpoint has been insane, like pretty much rocket ship level stuff going on my end, like going from, think about it, SDR, SDR team lead, SDR manager, so that's in two years, then went from there. John found me on YouTube, just to cover the story there. He found okay. Me he found me on YouTube. He found one of my videos from the SDR Chronicles. And it resonated with him heavily and he reached out to me and that's how I got on this team. So I've been doing this Decent, role okay. for three years now. And so just going from someone who just knows how to prospect to now fill sales cycle and deliver training. So my goal, my, my role is I specialize in prospecting to get more granular, how to break through the noise in, in multiple markets. And people bring me in to train them on skills-based training, structure and formulas that you can go leverage and use to go get those meetings. And so that's what I'm doing day to day. So I'm working with top companies to do that. Awesome, man. I love that JB, John Barrows found you from your YouTube series that you started. So that's, that's pretty epic. Yeah. Um, and just before we move on to some of the channels that you use to generate pipeline and business, were there any, any further tips or insights that you could share from your experience so far at JB um, in terms of sales, in terms of marketing? I would say one is keeping things short and concise. I didn't do a good job of that when I first joined John. I felt I was very long winded. I've done a, like a way better job now. And also I wasn't direct. So I'm from the South. So Southern hospitality, we are mostly indirect. We're not as direct as we can be. And I realized in sales, you have to be more direct. And that doesn't mean that you have to be aggressive and be an a-hole. I'm just saying just to be more direct with people. And I've realized by being more direct in my conversations with John himself, within my prospecting and sales cycles, I've closed more deals. So John taught me that. He said, hey, there's a difference between being direct and rude. And no one ever broke it down to me like that. And so it really touched me a lot because I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. I think, too, another thing he taught me is owning mistakes and then be willing to learn from those mistakes. To be like, yep, no, you're right. That was my fault. And being okay with making that mistake and then learning the lesson from it. I think sometimes we all try to be perfect. I know I'm guilty of that. Instead of being like, you know what? That was me. I, I effed up on that. So how can we get better? That was really key for me. Um, and then I'll, I, I'll do threes here. So the third one for me that from John is caring about your customer. And so from my perspective, is like as an SDR, I had gotten such a well-oiled machine of a process that pretty much whatever anyone said, I knew exactly what to say back. And I never was active listening, to be honest. Like I got better at it towards the end of my STR tenure, but I don't, I can honestly say I wasn't the best, right? So when I got in these conversations with sales calls, my active listening wasn't that good because I was just used to being like, boom, 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 boom. And this is where I need to go. So I could ask good questions, right? Because I knew what questions I could pre-program, but I wasn't sure. good at being intuitive with that. And so one of the things John said to me is like, yo, you got to start caring about this. Like you got to really like, invested to this like you can't just show up and that's what i've been doing 
you know, I was showing up and I had a system, but I can intuitively work in that system. And so I think John we're all really guilty of that, right, Morgan? So we get into a kind of sales process, yeah. be it on a discovery call with the client, whatever stage of the sales cycle it is, we've got Absolutely. these set of questions that we reel off. And it might be that we've had a long day. So we've been, we might have been cold calling, social selling, whatever we've done, it's, it's four, it's nearly five o'clock. It's been a long day. Maybe an inbound lead comes in, you, you start calling them, you're not really listening, you're just reeling off your standard questions rather yeah. than actually caring about what they're saying and asking real insightful questions that in right. order that actually give the customer trust in your company and the services you offer. So I think we've all been guilty of it. Have you got any tips on how we can, how we can do that a lot better? Three, three second mute rule or silence rule essentially. So when someone's done talking, like just wait, especially on discovery calls, wait like two or three seconds and just internalize what they said. There's no rush. Like you don't need to panic. Just wait like three seconds. And that helped me listen more because when I wait like three seconds, I'm like, I can process it and then ask the question or follow up whatever I want to do. Same thing with objections. When someone throws an objections, like wait like three seconds and, like, hmm. and then follow up with the question. So I found to get better at active listening is that I just took three seconds to really internalize it and then answer it. Love that. The three second rule. I'm going to start trying it myself and I'm sure a lot of people tuning in are. Excellent, yeah. dude. Right. Let's get into the juicy material. Um, we know that you're big on LinkedIn. You've got a huge following. So I'd love to know some of the top channels, be them offline, be them online and digital that have helped you generate pipeline, generate leads, generate sales. Um, so perhaps you could run us through some of your top recommended digital marketing platforms that have helped you guys grow and some, some of the offline as well. I mean, offline, you already heard it, right? Like, think about it. I was doing prospecting in pipe gin before I even knew what I was <laughs> Direct, doing. Direct, so, yeah. Yeah, you guys already heard me door to door. Like, I, <laughs> I was not afraid to do it, right? Obviously not door to door for houses, but I was going to businesses. So, like, if you're trying to build a business and you're working with, obviously, brick and mortars, like, show up. <laughs> Ask for the manager. The manager will show up. The owner showed up. I, like, walked in a meeting one time, and they were like, who is this kid? And I was like, all right, I got something for you guys. Like, I was not ashamed. So, you know, that's one thing I would say there is, like, Try that out. It, it works. Another two is events. I think people don't go to events as much as they normally do. And events is for two reasons. One is you can get meetings out of there and referrals, right? Two is though to practice. Practice your pitch, right? So when people ask you, hey, what do you do? You can practice on people that they may not be buyers, but you can practice, get comfortable. So like the, I would say those are like offline stuff. Like, and it's, and it's hard, right? Cause offline stuff is probably not in the cards for a while to be honest with you. But of, I mean, events, I've always done really well at those. And I did a lot when I did sales training, I would even fly like, I don't know if you can do this, but like I flew to cities and told John, I was like, Hey, look, <clears throat> cover my cost of this. I'll make sure I can get a meeting out of it. That would get close business. Every time I would get, close like most of the time i would get closed business if i went to a city and did meetings because that face-to-face -face is just different right okay. so, like be willing to take the chance on yourself i know if i get a face-to-face -face meeting or i meet someone at an event like it's gonna go really well i i know that because that's how that's how like practice right public speaking got it man then okay. then online right so let's go like linkedin linkedin is huge right now so based on the stats from an sdr or prospecting perspective there's a 48 percent increase in linkedin activity and so because of that that means more people are online think about it no one's commuting no one's traveling all that stuff so you have more time for people to be on digital so i've gotten a lot of meetings through linkedin so whether that's linkedin voice messages linkedin video 
right? These are ways to engage with your buyer right now and they're willing to have the conversation. And so, I mean, on top of that, I would just say video in general has been really successful for us as of late. So our highest conversion rates, our highest meeting set are from videos that we're sending out to our prospects. Each region in prospects and persona are going to be different. However, those are things that we've seen successful as of right now. Fantastic, man. So for anyone that's listening or watching in, that's not yet ventured into LinkedIn direct message, be it um, audio recordings, be it video recordings, and they're thinking, does that really work? Are people actually, I mean, I'd rather just do some cold calls and get some meetings booked. I'd rather hammer through a list of a thousand prospects and maybe get five meetings. Um, what's the advantage of tapping into LinkedIn, sending some video messages, or audio messages, and how can you get results from that? Yeah, so I'm a finance major, so I'm going to break it down from a mathematical standpoint so then you guys can understand how I think this way. So people say, oh, videos take a long time. Okay, so let's break it down. Let's say if you did 45-minute time block and it took you five minutes to do a video and you did seven videos, right? Granted, eight. Eight is, eight is 40 minutes. So let's say you did seven to eight videos for 45 minutes. So if you did that each day, that's seven times five, which is 35. And 35 times four, if I'm doing my math correctly, would, would be 140. Yep, I think so. So I believe that's right. So I mean, someone can check me, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So 140, right? So the video has a 3x response rate based on data, right? And so keep that in mind, right? So we got 140. Then let's look at the cold calls. 80% of cold calls go to voicemail. And I'm a huge proponent. I, I built a lot of my content and career off of cold calling. So keep down, like all that stuff. Like that's me all day long. I made tens of thousands of cold calls. However, right now, 80% of cold calls go to email or no, go to, vo go to voicemail. I'm not saying don't make calls, still make calls. It's the most controllable medium that you have. However, that's a real stat. Now that leads to 20% normally of connection rate and maybe like a 10% conversion off that. So normally you get like a 2% conversion rate off cold call. I'm just giving you all just stats, right? This is not, I'm not just making this up. These are, you can go look these up. And so on that, right, if I do 100 cold calls, 80% of those go to voicemail. Conversion rate is at, 20, let's say, 20% because 80 of those are going to voicemail. And I'm getting 10% conversion off that 20%, which is the 2%. I got to make a good amount of cold calls. Sure. And the data might be terrible, right? So if you can't get to somebody, why not do a video? So let's go back to 140. If you 140 convert that off of, let's say 10%, right? So that 140, you got 10% of that for that month. That's a 14. 14, 14 people reply. Let's say if you get half of that, that's seven meetings. So you made seven videos a day to get seven meetings. That's pretty good. Right? Bad, and, right? All, and also on top of that, right? These can be scalable. You get more comfortable with them over time. So what I, I did a train this morning and I talked to, Hey guys, the video is just the new cold call. They just so happen. They can see your face. That's pretty much it. So if you're like, Oh, it's a waste of time. I don't know about this seven videos a day. It's not hard if you block off time. Definitely not. And just before we move on, um, should we treat these video messages like a cold call? Should we do like a 30 second elevator pitch? And should we just look for the target audience that we're targeting with our data? So yeah. say for example, so, in our business, we target marketing directors, sales directors, mm -hmm. and so on. Should we do the same? 
10 30 10 this is the formula i'm going to give you all walk away with this formula this is very tactical this has been working universally for people around the world so it's not just saying if you're here from atlanta it works everyone's been using it and it's been working for them so first 10 seconds we have to get their attention so you have to state the reason of why you're reaching out so that could either be based on the priority or the of the persona or it's a trigger so like i found something on the website or linkedin etc so the first 10 seconds i'm focused on getting your attention based on a trigger or a prior challenge of that persona. Okay. The next 30 seconds is the value prop. So that's the attention grabber, which is your elevator pitch that you're already saying on the cold call. So insert your pitch there and now you just say it on the video. The last 10 seconds is the call to action. <clears throat> so the last thing I'll add here is make sure that your call to actions are Gong calls them interest call to actions. I call them collaborative call to actions. And all that means at the end of the day is that you're stating are you open to learning more or are you interested in a deeper dialogue? So that way it allows for them to spark a conversation. Again, it's more conversational. It's not aggressive. It's not friction and they're more apt to respond to you. So 10, 30, 10, 10 seconds. I'm going to get your attention in some way. That's me stating a, the reason for the video. And I always start the video with the reason for my video is, which is key. 30 seconds is the value prop. 10 seconds is the call to action. So that's the video formula there. That's epic, dude. So this has been hugely value, um, hugely valuable for the audience, man. Love to learn your story. Love your top offline and digital marketing tips. Just before we wrap things up, what's one thing that salespeople, marketing people, or business owners should be doing with digital marketing that's going to help their sales and business? Making your brand or creating someone that is in your organization as a brand that someone can look to. So creating the brand to be educational yet fun at the same time. People want an engaging process in marketing. They also want an engaging process in sales. So those are things to think about. Epic. Thank you, Morgan. So we'd like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? I got a lot of people to thank, but I'm going to go back to the story. I got to give a shout out to Charles on the airplane. I mean, I give a massive shout out for just having the conversation with me and guiding me in the direction to be a speaker. And that's led me to everything else. So I have to give him a shout out. Nice one. Cheers, Charles. So everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your sales and your business. Morgan, tell us a bit more about how people can connect with you, the best way to get in touch. Yeah, best way to get in touch is hit me up on LinkedIn, Morgan J. Ingram, super simple to do. And then, yeah, just connect with me there. And then if you got questions, I'm happy to answer them. Awesome, man. And JB Sales has just launched a, an online uh, platform for sales, right? Yep, absolutely. So you can check that out too. Fantastic, dude. Thanks very much for coming on. Absolutely, man. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.